Amateur Radio Newsline report number 2322 with a release date of Friday, April 29th, 2022 to follow in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The following is a QST. An earthquake in Bosnia brings rapid radio response. The FCC takes a fresh look at receiver interference and a ham radio workshop in India covers the basics. All this and more as Amateur Radio Newsline report number 2322 comes your way right now. From around the world, this is Newsline, Amateur Radio's only independent weekly amateur radio news and bulletin service. Now reporting from Picayune, Mississippi, here is Don Wilbanks, AE5DW. We begin this week with a deadly earthquake in the Balkans and a rapid response from area amateurs. Ed Durant, DD5LP, has that report. Hams responded quickly in Bosnia-Herzegovina following a deadly earthquake with a magnitude of 5.7 that struck late on Friday, April 22nd. As hundreds fled their homes, one person was reported dead and at least three others were injured, according to some news reports. IARU Region 1 Emergency Communications Coordinator Greg Mossop, G0DUB, reported that within minutes the Association of Radio Amateurs of Bosnia and Herzegovina activated its emergency communication service and hams were mobilized. E70ARA established digital communications between Sarajevo and Zenica using Winlink and also set up a network using UHF and VHF repeaters, including portable crossband equipment. On HF, digital and voice modes were being used on 80 metres and 40 metres. Meanwhile, ongoing reports on the situation were sent via Winlink using the IARU message format. The emergency network stayed in place until the danger from aftershocks had passed. From Amateur Radio Newsline, Med Durant, DD5LP. In the U.S., regulators are looking at ways to improve radio receivers' rejection of RFI. Cell MB KB3TZD brings us up to date. The U.S. Federal Communication Commission is asking for public input on ways to achieve RF interference immunity in receivers of radio signals. In a notice of inquiry adopted this month, the FCC has committed itself to explore options for improvement in this area. The commissioners are seeking comment on such things as recent technical advancements in the design of receivers, better ways to assess and rate receiver performance parameters, and insights into industry standards for these measurements that may have been created by the IEEE, ANSI, 3GPP, and other standardization organizations. Until now, most FCC spectrum management efforts have concentrated on regulations governing transmitter performance. The FCC has said in a press release that its goal is, quote, to lay the foundation for future actions that could help create a more transparent and predictable radio frequency environment for all spectrum users, end quote. The commission has expressed its concern most recently as new wireless services are added around the United States, making it all the more critical that service receivers already in place are capable of rejecting signals from outside their intended frequency band. One such ongoing case involves the Federal Aviation Administration's attempts to prevent 5G wireless transmitter towers from interfering with airplane navigation systems. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Cell Emby, KB3-TZD. In other actions by the same agency, commissioners are cracking down on what they say are drone transmitters that pose a hazard. Kent Peterson, KC0DGY, picks up the story from here. The U.S. Federal Communications Commission is claiming that public safety could be imperiled by the operation of unauthorized drone transmitters and is seeking more than $3 million in combined fines from the device's distributor. The agency's complaint, filed in U.S. District Court in Portland, Oregon, charges that at least 65 models of the transmitter were never FCC certified. 
Certification would have ensured RF signals did not interfere with Federal Aviation Administration's aeronautical radar systems or any government transmissions. The FCC's civil complaint against the distributor, Hobby King, states that at least 15 of the transmitters, quote, created a threat to public safety, end quote. The FCC also said the devices do not serve a legitimate amateur radio purpose. According to a report posted on the Oregon Live website, Hobby King has told the FCC it believed no marketing rules existed specifically for this kind of equipment, which is capable of transmitting on amateur and non-amateur frequencies. The FCC countered, however, that its rules forbid radio frequency devices to be sold without first being labeled and authorized, consistent with its rules. The agency is asking for $2.8 million from Hobby King for its violations. It is also seeking an additional $39,278 plus interest for Hobby King's failure to respond to earlier orders. Hobby King has stated that the required response from the company would have violated its Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Kent Peterson, KC0, DGY. In the United States, officials hope to study HF propagation using satellite-based sensors. Andy Morrison, K9AWM, brings us that story. A division of the United States Department of Defense is hoping to gain a greater understanding of how HF waves propagate by taking those detailed measurements from inside the ionosphere itself. This takes information gathering into a new realm because these studies typically rely on data gathered done from systems on the ground. The U.S. Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency is looking to take the measurements using sensors on board very low Earth orbit satellites. The agency project, named Ouija, is designed to get a better model of the ionosphere to address the challenges of electromagnetic noise facing HF radio transmissions of warfighters. The satellites are about 200 to 300 kilometers or 125 to 185 miles above the Earth. According to an article on the Industrial Equipment News website, the satellite payload will do direct sampling to measure electron density, but will also conduct indirect measurements using radio occultation. Jeff Rogers, the program's manager in DARPA's Strategic Technology Office, was quoted on the website saying that Weege's work inside the ionosphere would supplement measurements that would still be taken from the ground. He said the goal was, quote, to develop and validate accurate near real-time HF propagation predictions, end quote. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Andy Morrison, K9AWM. A veteran journalist and a public information specialist has joined the American Radio Relay League as its news editor. John E. Ross, KD8IDJ, will be responsible for the league website's news content, the weekly ARRL letter, and two columns in QST Magazine, Happenings and Amateur Radio World. John will also be the voice of the ARRL Audio News, which is produced weekly. John fills the vacancy left by the retirement of Rick Lindquist, WW1ME. John has served the league's Ohio section for the past decade as its public information coordinator. Meanwhile, in the U.K., the search is on for a replacement to fill the vacancy this summer when Radcom Magazine editor Elaine Richards, G4LFM, retires. The monthly magazine is published by the Radio Society of Great Britain. Additional responsibilities include putting together the weekly GB2RS News and overseeing production of the Radcom Basics and Radcom Plus specialist online-only publications. Candidates should have experience in both print and digital formats. Applicants can apply on the Redwood website, which is Redwood Recruitment. That's all one word, dot com. The Society is also seeking a technical editor following the recent death of Giles Reed, G1MFG. For details, visit the Society website at rsgb.org stroke careers. 
As hurricane season gets going in some parts of the United States, hams who could not attend a virtual preparedness workshop will still be able to view the proceedings. Randy Sly, W4XJ, brings us up to date. If you weren't able to log on to the recent virtual amateur radio workshop at the National Hurricane Conference in Orlando, Florida, you can still have the experience of being there. The four-hour, 33-minute workshop can be viewed on YouTube, along with a schedule of the various presentations that were hosted by Rob Macedo, KD1CY, Director of Operations for the VOIP Hurricane Net. Topics that were covered included the Hurricane Watch Net, the VOIP Hurricane Net, the Canadian Hurricane Center, and the importance of surface reports. There was also a presentation on the Salvation Army Team Emergency Radio Network, known by the acronym SATURN, and a discussion of Skywarn and CanWarn programs. Rob says in his introduction to the workshop that the 2021 hurricane season in the United States was formidable and that 2022 promises to be at least as challenging. A link to the recording can be found in the text version of this week's newscast at arnewsline.org. Time for you to identify your station. We are the Amateur Radio Newsline, heard on bulletin stations around the world, including the W7GAA repeater in Bullhead City, Arizona, Friday nights at 7.30 p.m. local time. May is a busy month in the United States on the amateur radio calendar. There's Hamvention opening on the 20th of May, and just a week before, on May 14th, there's the Armed Forces Day crossband exercise. Jack Parker, W8ISH, has the details. Ham radio and government radio operators will be sharing messages and testing their operating efficiency starting at 1300 UTC on May 14th in an exercise hosted by the U.S. Army Military Auxiliary Radio System, or MARS. They'll be taking part in the Armed Forces Day Crossband Exercise, an interoperability event with a history that goes back more than 50 years. HAMS will be listening for stations on U.S. military frequencies and transmitting on nearby amateur frequencies. Participating HAMS will be able to confirm their contacts with a QSL card. HAMS copying messages from U.S. Army and U.S. Navy stations can request a QSL card online using the form at the website that appears in the text version of this week's newscast at arnewsline.org. HAMS seeking a QSL card from U.S. Air Force stations whose messages they have copied should send a request by mail to the Armed Forces Day Celebration Chief Air Force Mars, 203 West Losey Street, Scott Air Force Base, Illinois, 62225. According to the Department of Defense website, the numerous military stations transmitting messages will include Travis Air Force Base in California, the Newport Naval Radio Station Museum in Newport, Rhode Island, the U.S. Coast Guard Base in Alameda, California, the Pentagon in Washington, D.C., and the Barrow Army Reserve Center in Kentucky. Although Armed Forces Day is May 21st, the test is being run a week earlier to accommodate Hamvention. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Jack Parker, W8ISH. A group of amateurs in the state of Maine feels a little more ready for the next big emergency to come along. They just completed some important training. Kevin Trotman, N5PRE, tells us more. Members of the Aroostook County Amateur Radio Emergency Services just got another tool to add to their amateur radio kit. Training to Function as CERT, the acronym for Citizens Emergency Response Team. 
Brian Goff, KC1NHJ, the community outreach planner for the county's emergency management agency, told WAGM-TV that CERT members provide support to search and rescue personnel as well as those administering first aid. He said even if the HAMS are not directly involved in providing the actual hands-on assistance, their radio use is invaluable in getting the word out, especially if cell towers are not working. The training took place on Saturday in the middle of April. The CERT members' first big test will come in just a matter of weeks when they will participate in an emergency drill. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Kevin Trotman, N5PRE. On the day the FCC's new ham radio license application fees took effect, a system outage halted the agency's electronic batch filing system and files could not be processed. The ARRL volunteer examiner coordinator sent out a notice to league members making them aware of the shutdown that occurred on Tuesday, April 19th. The FCC had asked that no further files be submitted for exam sessions or license applications until the issue could be resolved. The system was back online, however, a few days later. The volunteer examiner coordinator sent a notice to league members on Saturday, April 23rd, saying that processing was restored and business could proceed as usual. The FCC was expected to begin reducing the backlog even as new files arrived. The FCC had previously said that the new $35 charge was necessary to cover staff costs associated with the application process, even though the review system is largely automated. One of India's preeminent engineering universities was the scene of a workshop on amateur radio basics. Graham Kemp, VK4BB, gives us that report. More than three dozen engineering and science students and their instructors were introduced to amateur radio and all its elements during a workshop held April 5 and 6 in Gujarat, India. Rajesh Vagadia, VU2EXP, Regional Coordinator of AMSAT India, gave the presentation at PDU, one of the Indian state's top engineering schools. In addition to gaining familiarity with various types of amateur radio equipment and the modes of communication, the students watched practical demonstrations, including slow scan TV, PSK31 and Morse code, and learned to operate an HT. They also heard the stories behind many of the QSL cards on display throughout the two-day program. Some careful planning ahead allowed the students to experience amateur radio contacts using the AO91 CubeSat and had pre-arranged QSOs with Lucky, VU2LBW and Korstav, VU2UUU. Rajesh wrote that both four-hour days had a packed schedule and he hoped the students had gained insights into amateur radio's popularity and possibilities. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Graham Kemp, VK4BB. We'd like to remind our listeners that it's time to think about the next generation of radio operators and appreciate their skill and dedication. Perhaps one of them will be the next recipient of the Amateur Radio Newsline, Bill Pasternak Memorial Young Hem of the Year Award. Consider nominating an amateur radio operator 18 years of age or younger in the continental United States with talent, promise, and a commitment to the spirit of ham radio. Find application forms on our website, arnewsline.org, under the Awards tab. Nominations close May 31st, and that's coming up soon. In the world of DX, be listening for Michael, DF8AN, operating as FM, stroke, DF8AN, and TO8N in Martinique, J97MN from Dominica, and a yet-to-be-issued call on St. Lucia. He's on the air until May 1st on the HF bands using mainly CW and digital, QSL using his home call. Between May 9th and 14th, listen for Ilya, EX-R5AF, and Igor, EX-R4FCN, in Kyrgyzstan on 40 through 10 meters. They'll be using CW, FT8, and possibly some SSB. QSL via Logbook of the World, Club Log, EQSL, and Hamlog. Eurus, VU3FZC, DPAC, VU2CDP, and Menage, 
VU-2CPL will operate from the Andaman Islands as VU-4W between May 3rd and 16th. Listen on the HF bands. For the official VU-4W website reference, refer to the text version of this broadcast at arnewsline.org. John W4GD will operate from Aruba between May 24th and 31st from the P40WQTH. He'll be using the call P44W. Be listening for him using CW on all HF bands as time permits. He'll place special emphasis on the work bands, QSL via Logbook of the World and N2MM. We end this week with a story that answers a common question these days. How do you get youngsters involved in radio? The answer is simple enough. You get them on the air for some serious DXing. Here's Jim Meachin, ZL2BHF, to tell us how it's being done. Some people wait a lifetime for that special DX contact, but that waiting period isn't part of the equation for youngsters in Japan. Students in elementary, junior high and high school classes are at the top of the list for contacts when the Japanese Antarctic Research Exhibition Station 8J1RL calls QRZ for Children's Day, a national holiday in Japan. The contacts will take place for several hours on May 5th using 21 MHz SSB. This is the 63rd Japanese Antarctic Research Expedition, but for many of the youngsters who will soon be in the radio operator's log, it is going to be a very big first. The students in Japan will join the ranks of those who have gone before them at schools in Alberta, Canada, Israel and the United States, who, instead of talking to the South Pole, have briefly mingled their voices with those in space through amateur radio on the International Space Station. Whether young people talk to research scientists down below or astronauts and cosmonauts up above, the spirit of adventure so dear to youngsters' hearts becomes even more accessible through the gateway of amateur radio. In that respect, the Japanese holiday of Children's Day, which promotes the health and happiness of young people, is celebrated anywhere in the world whenever a youngster discovers the magic of radio. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Jim Meachin. ZL2BHF. With thanks to Eris, ARRL, the BBC, CQ Magazine, David Behar, K7DB, the Department of Defense, the FCC, the Industrial Equipment News, the Ohio Pen DX, QRZ.com, the Radio Society of Great Britain, Southgate Amateur Radio News, ShortwaveRadio.de, WAGM TV, YouTube, and you are listeners. That's all from the Amateur Radio Newsline. You can write to us at newsline at arnewsline.org. We remind our listeners that Amateur Radio Newsline is an all-volunteer, non-profit organization that incurs expenses for its continued operation. If you wish to support us, please visit our website at arnewsline.org and know that we appreciate you all. For now, with Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT at the news desk in New York, and our news team worldwide, I'm Don Wellbanks, AE5DW in Picayune, Mississippi, saying 7-3. And as always, we thank you for listening. Amateur Radio Newsline is copyright 2022. All rights are reserved.